This podcast is brought to you by Pearson, the company behind the Self, Goldman Fristo, and the brand new PPVT5 and the EVT3. These new, easy-to-use vocabulary assessments are brief and reliable for two years, six months old to those 90 and beyond. Learn more about these tests at pearsonclinical.com exceptional. That's pearsonclinical.com slash X-C-E-P-T-I-O-N-A-L. Please listen carefully. What is communication? The act of taking a thought from my head and putting it into your essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. Bridging what I have in my head to the outside world draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. I think it's the ability to share your innermost feelings and thoughts with others. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to episode 63 of the Speech Science Podcast. I'm Matt Hot, joined in the Arctic North, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? And in the just as frozen tundra of Kentucky, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. We are recording this, and I've already been told tomorrow I don't have to go to work because it's a cold day. Wind chills of negative 30 tomorrow. Evidently, the little kids can't get frostbite on the way to school. They already canceled tomorrow here as well. Did they really? Yep. Michael, how are the kids in Philadelphia? Are they tough or are they like us and not going to have to school tomorrow? Well, coming originally from New York and they cancel school for nothing, uh, around here it snows about like an inch, two inches, and then they cancel everything. So Do they really? Yeah, they do. It's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty surprising. There's delayed openings and school gets canceled and everyone freaks out about it. Everyone drives 10 miles an hour. It's ridiculous. Well, you got to drive 10 miles an hour because you don't want to be hit you know, hitting a semi or spinning out of control. Well, still, you can go a little bit faster. Got places I was, to- yeah, I was talking to my friend who was an SLP for a few years while they were stationed in Alaska. And she said at the school she worked at, they did not go inside before the bell unless it was lower than negative 20. <laughs> wow. <laughs> negative 20? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, tomorrow is going to be one. So they've decided to call school because it's going to be too cold with negative 30 wind chills. So it's going to be five degrees here. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know what, though? I've had a good week. I got to watch the Royal Rumble. Seth Rollins won. Becky Lynch, the man, she won. Dean Ambrose is quitting. I got to watch what wrestling to with D- my boys. It was fun. What happened to Dean Ambrose? I don't know. Evidently, he wants his release. I also got some good bourbons. So it's been a great week, and this is how I'm getting through my 30 ETRs that are left from now until the end of May with bourbon and wrestling. Not at school, but in the evenings when I get home. You need to come back to the bourbon trail down here, Matt. I want to. I got a cask strength maker's mark that I'm willing to open up here soon. There you go. How have your guys... Sorry, what, Mike? Show us the bottle. Oh, I don't have the bottle. I've got other bottles here in my nude-built liquor cabinet by my recording station. Okay. All right. And this oh. is wonderful radio as I put the video of the Woodford Reserve 
bottle up on there. And you can hear me open the door to my liquor cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I get through the radio days. Edge of your seat. Podcast. Edge of my seat. It's a late yep. night, guys. Oh, yeah, how's right. your week been, Michelle? How's it down in Kentucky? Well, flew back solo with a baby with a six-month-old on a airplane so of course on a, it flew on an airplane with uh with a brief layover and we survived he actually did pretty well yay are you are you, how's the kentucky licensure going i'm just waiting everything submitted oh, i'm sure sucks. they'll contact me and see if um i'm missing something but probably not we'll see and Michael, how are things out in the West Philadelphia? West Philadelphia. Uh, it's part of the born and raised part. I don't know. <laughs> That's an actual area of Philadelphia, and I don't think Mike is there, correct? Is it really? Uh, yeah, West Philadelphia, of course. Yeah. I thought it was like the west side of oh, Cincinnati, really just a made-up thing. No, I'm not. I'm not. Oh. <laughs> no. I'm All right, how is it in the part of Philadelphia that you are residing in? I'm technically in, you can say north, but it's not really north. Mostly like Center City, I would say. Center City, Philadelphia. That's right. The place to be. But yeah, things are, things are good out here. Uh, I spend most of my time out in, uh, out in the burbs where the private practice is. Uh, I went to a really cool networking event uh, this past weekend with one of the schools uh, that I work at, that I work at. So we were there together. We both had tables there one for the school and their summer camp and one for me and my practice and my services so that was a good event got to meet a lot of cool families a lot of really cool schools and different people that represented the school so it was just a nice little event to, to go to one of those things you have to do when you're in private practice so uh yeah it was a good time that sounds pretty cool i i've always kind of envied y'all in private practice because it sounds like you guys get to do a lot of cool stuff. Former host on here, Lucas Stuber, you know, took one of his patients out indoor skydiving. You get to travel the city. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's I've done a couple of really cool things working with uh, a lot of teenagers and, and younger college kids and some of the older kids. You're really able to get to do a lot of really fun things. Uh, I went over to the Phillies stadium a couple of weeks ago to do like a college event over there and met some of the players and the GM, the coach, uh, the manager. Um, yeah, I've done a couple of, a couple of really fun things that's, that's definitely one of the benefits of private practice is uh, really being able to go above and beyond and outside of the, of the actual therapy room. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm a jealous as I am stuck in my therapy room most of the time. Unless my kid sends me to the ER again, that almost happened today. So you know oh, what happened got some uh, battle wounds, Matt? i got some battle wounds that is i am a proponent now of why you should wear protective gear uh when working sometimes that sometimes uh ignoring a behavior uh is good for extinction not good for your soft delicate hands that i learned today well that's what happens when you talk about wrestling and speech therapy <laughs> What did you think of <laughs> Seth Rollins winning? It should have been Braun. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it went today. It should have been Braun. <laughs> I don't know. I did get to educate an <laughs> OT today about the difference between using smiley faces and frowny faces for yes and no. So I felt like a useful SLP today. 
Oh, they're, they're using a frowny face for no and a happy face for yes. Yeah. And I kind of told her, I said, well, that can kind of uh, give the idea that the no answer is an inappropriate answer and we don't want to do that. And then one of my nonverbal students walked over and to another person and she's not nonverbal, but practically. And she walked over and said, do you need any help? And the OT ran over and high fived her and looked at me and she goes, aren't you excited? And I said, yeah, her uh, reinforcement was the person answering her. We don't need to high five for stating a sentence. And I instantly in that new moment realized everyone thinks I'm a big jerk in the therapy room. <laughs> High expectations, huh? Yeah. Hey, hey, you know what, though, man? Like, it, it, I, that's how I look at my high school kids. Like, let's not reinforce things they should be doing. All right. Yeah. I mean, arbitrarily reinforce. The adventures of a school SLP, the things that you guys do, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> or, or you hate us for it. It's one of the two. <laughs> I love it. I love you guys. Oh, we love you, you too. You guys are in the trenches, man. All right. So coming up on today, later, we've got the, the fading art of diagramming sentences and my biggest pet peeve that I ran into. But first, I figured we'd start off with uh, the article out of the ASHA leader. This was from the January 24th, so just a week ago, helping students uh, with autism spectrum disorder handle real or perceived bullying. Uh, I love this article and I love the topic uh, this month is unwritten rules in my social skills classroom. How do you guys handle working with students and teaching them the difference between teasing or teasing and real bullying and, and, and such like that? Yeah, this is something I touch on a lot with some of the some of the older boys I work with, especially um, a lot of the, the ways that I kind of phrase it to parents is you kind of you teach them. It's basically a, a how to hang out program. You're teaching the kids who, who tend, these are kids who tend to isolate themselves. The kids who tend to get really lost in games like Fortnite, Minecraft, and really do these individualistic things. When they're around peers, the, the social norms and the, the, the basic roasting and picking and, you know, jabbing at each other, that, that is totally natural between teenage boys and even adults our age. You know, we do, we do the same thing. So it's kind of exposing them to that sort of quote unquote hanging out and helping them get used to the difference between this is a bully, this is just joking. And this really is very closely tied to the idea of executive functioning in that uh, with executive functioning, you have mental flexibility, which is the ability to not think so black and white, to be flexible in your thinking and think things through. Uh, metacognition, which is the, the ability to self-evaluate, uh, emotional control, emotional regulation, response inhibition, and of course, resiliency. It's tied very closely to resiliency and your ability to, to take a joke and let it slide. So it sounds so simple to know the difference between a bully and just, just basic you know, back and forth banter, but there really are some true, very valuable life skills to be taught here. One of one thing that just came to mind for me was working with teenagers and a therapist I worked with had a great idea where we basically even made a visual almost like an onion, right? The layers out of your core people, your closest people, your siblings, your immediate family, and then what's an acquaintance, what's a good friend, what's an acquaintance, 
all the way out to just classmates or teachers or that kind of situation. And you can do some social teaching to help them understand what can be perceived as bullying in one setting might not be in another setting because of the people you're interacting with. So for example, the teenage boy that we were working with, um, he had a hard time understanding that he couldn't make the same jokes with the other campers that he could with his brothers. So we were talking about how it was perceived as bullying in that situation versus with his brothers, that banter is perfectly okay. That's something we have trouble with as well in our social skills group is um, I remember a couple years ago, a student talked to me and he got in trouble because he was saying the same things to his classmates that he was saying online. And I think the game he was playing at the time was Call of Duty. And if you've ever been in in the chat room or in the area of Call of Duty, kind of brutal is a good way to put it. And so he was trying to do the same thing with what he thought were his friends. And he was constantly being sent to the principal's office. And we had to discuss why that's not, you know, why that's not good. But one of the things I've noticed that parents have a hard time trying also to balance what is good natured ribbing and what is bullying towards their students with disabilities. That's that's where I struggle the most trying to explain to a parent like, hey, when when he's with his friends, it's okay, but these people are, it's not okay with. Exactly. This is really just an area that is, that is so subjective. When we're working with this, this higher functioning ASD population, there's always that issue of black and white and trying to make it more of a gray area so that they can be more flexible in their thinking. You don't want everything to be so black and white. But this truly is such a unique topic where there is just so, so much of it is subjective. What is hurtful? What is not? Who says it? What's the context? There's so much there, and it can be so anxiety-producing for our students and our clients to try and get all the rules down because so many of them are so rules-based, and they're trying to memorize all these social rules and figure out what's going on. You know, Sometimes it gets to the point where you just want to teach them, teach them basically just their overall response you know, if someone says something to you and it hurts your feelings, you know, most of the time as adults, we want to teach the kids, you know, not to let it bother you. And you teach them really where bullying comes from and why people bully in the first place. You know, the old saying of hurt people hurt people. And, you know, kid people who bully have been bullied themselves. So there's there's teaching them a lot about that and and where bullying comes from and how they should respond to it. That's really, that's, that's one of the best ways to really approach it, in my opinion. I like how this article, the, it's more of a conversation between the people, but talked about addressing the bully as well, or the perceived bully as well as the person being bullied. Because just like you said, Mike, it comes from somewhere. Now, did you guys ever get bullied or do any bullying growing up? Definitely been bullied. Yeah, I mean, and whether I think I'm sure there were times I perceived it as worse than it was, just like the article said here. Of course. I, I hate to admit it, but I think I was I got bullied and then I think I was the bully verbally back like in like third grade, fourth grade, because it's always that pecking order. And looking back on it, it's like, oh, I wish I could turn back time and fix that. 
So, I mean, it, it's a unique perspective when you were on one side or the other side doing it as a therapy now, trying to teach the difference. And I think, you know, that's a hard part, too, as well. And I think that's where just what you were saying earlier, Matt, Mike, that you have a, a great situation to be able to not just role play, but you can in private practice potentially take kids to different situations um, to practice interactions with people. And it can be a little harder when you're stuck in a therapy room. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sometimes you just want to get all the boys together in one room and, and have them play Fortnite or Madden together, like have them do something that's natural hmm. and, and see what happens. Yeah. And, and it, it seems like it's not therapy. It's, it's, it's what the kid's doing is, is doing at home, but you have a trained professional facilitating it. And when, it, it's inevitable that someone's going to say something that's going to hurt someone's feelings or someone's going to die and have, have, you know, within the game and have uh, a lack of emotional control. So being there to kind of talk them through it and teach them how to deal with those situations is incredibly valuable. So would you pause the game in that moment and then do it as a group lesson or would you do it one-on-one -on -one while that one responds? Uh, that would depend completely on the situation. Sometimes when you're pausing the game, you're kind of making the situation worse oh, okay. because every, everyone else in the in the room will get very frustrated and upset. Maybe when the game's over, you, you know, everyone could have a chance to, to talk about Ooh. it out loud and what happened. But it, it would depend. If it, if it was Smash Brothers, I definitely would not pause the game. <laughs> no break. There's no break in Smash Bros. So working in the schools with social groups, I, this just came to mind. Um, there's times that I had to do some social teaching around board games and the different games that we would use in therapy for turn-taking and social interactions, especially with winning and losing because people had a hard time accepting a loss or want to brag and really kind of razz on the other person when they win. Um, so I always tried to use that as a really good teaching moment and also tried to structure sometimes or, or rig the game in certain ways so that a different kid would have an opportunity to win or lose if they haven't yet so that they can I practice like that skill. I like that. How do you handle uh, bullying in your socials groups, head over to our website, podcast.speechscience.org. From there, you can email us speechscience2018 at gmail.com or hit us up on the phone, 614-681-1798. I love that we have a 614 number, by the way, because then I can just feel like we're back in Ohio. That's just my personal thing. That's my hometown, Columbus, Ohio. But yeah, be like Becky or uh, Becca Garvin. Send us an email and uh, let us know what you think of the show. All right. Women are twice as likely to suffer from severe depression after a stroke. I know, Michael, you do a lot of the executive functioning stuff. Michelle, I don't know if you have a lot of time to work with adults. I know you're mostly you did mostly like kids. Um, yeah, mostly pediatrics. I've done home health care as well. I know when I'm doing home health care, like I feel like I spend half my time working as just a therapist in general about coming to terms with the new normal. In addition to just doing the therapy part. I like how you put that, though. You call it a new normal versus framing it as loss or you know, what what deficits they have. Um, I think we have to do a lot. I know we're not 
psychologist, I always loved work. My office at the school I was at was across the hall from the school psychologist. So, um, I would get a lot of tips and tricks from her, but, um, we do have to do some counseling in that regard of what is the new normal after a traumatic event. I've gotten really good at, ident- not really good. I've become better at reading the facial expressions of my patients and knowing when to keep pushing and when to pull back when describing their new situation. Uh, because when I first started doing home care, I would be like, okay, so this is what's going on and there's damage to the brain and this isn't happening and da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden I'd look up and they are in tears going that, yeah, and, and I don't think I'll ever get better. And now I'm like, okay, let's feather that clutch a little bit. Let's explain and pull back and explain it's going to be okay. And then push in a little bit more and explain that what's the process and, and all that. But it's a tough part trying to be both psych and speech therapist in a, in a sense. That's a growing skill of an experienced therapist, Matt. Look at you. Eight years in and I still don't know what I'm doing. Sorry. That's why I love this profession is we're always learning. Michael, do you handle any like depression or anything like that with with executive functioning folks? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm And I'm definitely seeing it more and more within the high school area. Uh, a lot more with uh, social media and online gaming and just overall just you know, def, there's definitely a rise, a, a rise in, I don't want to know, I don't know if I want to use the word mental illness or depression or, but it is, it is definitely a lot of it. There's definitely a lot of the negative self-image and uh, fixed mindset and a lot of those things that, that I'm seeing now in, in the teenagers. So I definitely work a lot about that. Uh, every once in a while, you'll work with someone who either has completely isolated themselves or turned to drugs or has done other other types of self harm, not like physical self harm, right. but uh, other types of self harm that has that has really affected them and their families. And when you are that therapist that that works with that child and that family, you do find yourself working just as much individually with the student as much as you do with the family. So you're, you're working with the family, you're counseling with them, you're talking with them, you're, you're doing everything you can to be there. And there's, you're, you know, as a SLP, you're just wearing so many hats and you're using so much of your expertise that you were able to gain from graduate school, from your programs and from your CFY and everything, all your experience to help the family as best as you can, because this is, this is quite a difference from your typical articulation, you know, therapy. So... It's what, it, the, the number of hats we wear is amazing. What I thought interesting from this is from you, Eureka Alert, the global source for science news. Say that three times fast. Uh, they said that uh, even though they cannot pinpoint exactly why depression is more common among women, it could be that women draw more of their sense of self, uh, self and self-worth from their social relationships and so are more sensitive to challenges in maintaining these. And they said also that... The dramatic decrease in the likelihood of survival uh, as depression systems increase. So basically, the more depression symptoms, the less likely they are to survive uh, recovery and therapy. And I always tell my patients that it's such a, a cheesy line, but I always tell them that we need to have a positive mental attitude. We had a sorority house uh, called the PMA house, and it was the positive 
mental attitude house or whatever that was. That was in my undergrad. But it's true, like that PMA, that positive mental attitude during therapy. Uh, stroke, I, I find a lot harder to keep a positive mental attitude um, because when we're looking at, when I work with my students, we're not recovering a skill, we're building a skill. Where with my stroke patients, I find that the depression is more real or happens a lot more because a lot of times these patients six weeks ago were mowing their grass, doing their own accounting, driving their grandchildren to swim practice. And now they can't eat, drink, or talk on the phone. And it's sometimes it's heartbreaking and you have to go in there very, for me, I have to go in very detached and you go in very clinical. And in the article too, it kind of hit me where it says one in six people worldwide will have a stroke in their lifetime. And then the other factor that they mentioned that could influence why women are at higher risk of depression is that statistically women do live longer than men, which Strokes typically happen in older age. Typically, they can definitely happen younger. Um, but that might leave someone who was in a long marriage and no, and now is a widower who now is dealing with that. True. With the outcome of a stroke. And they're doing it by themselves or with their children taking care of them or whoever it is instead of a partner or they don't have the friends that they might have had around years before. Yeah, over the, over, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. I was just going to say, yeah, over the past couple of weeks, I've had the absolute pleasure of meeting some young adults who have had uh, some brain injuries, strokes, things like that. It's kind of just come across through, through word of mouth. Uh, it's, it's nothing I specialize in or have a ton of experience with. They've kind of just come into the clinic for, you know, to meet me and things like that. And just, just getting to know them a little bit over these past couple of weeks uh, we were talking before about uh, some positives of private practice, but uh, part of uh, one downfall of private practice is you tend to get into those little niches and you don't really get to experience all the incredible diversity that's really out there within this field. And and I tell you, the, the SLPs out there that work with stroke victims and TBI, that is so difficult yet so rewarding, but but for the SLPs out there that listen to this podcast and do that, I commend you more than I can say through through my words right now because it is that is a difficult difficult thing to do, and the work you you are doing is amazing. One of my favorite questions to ask my patients, and it kind of gets them out of depression, and it even for a moment, and they you don't think that it would, but and it works for dementia, you know, or or stroke is. I ask them how they met their significant other. And I've heard some of the best stories in the world. And the one that I'm just thinking of, uh, the lady was almost in tears, just being upset about her whole situation. And I just said, oh, how long have you and your husband been married? And she said something like 70 something years. And one, I'm like, oh, my gosh, wow, my wife and I are at seven. Ah, I'm surprised she hasn't murdered me yet. I'm that might happen in 72 years. But then I said, uh, so she's kind of almost in tears. And I said, well, how did you, how did you meet him? And all of a sudden her, like she looked, even though she was like in her mid nineties, she looked about 20 years old for just a moment and smiled. And then told me the story about her husband at the time they met because he would ride his horse past her house every day and pull a flower out of her garden and give it to her. 
Wow. And, and she was uh, telling me how upset her mom was because he is a kept storybook. destroying <laughs> her flower bed. And I'm like, I love it. You don't know what day it is. You forget who I am every time I come and see you. But you still hold on to that. And it gave her just a moment of clarity that she could tell a story, that she had power again. So even in is that, that moment. Did that really no, happen? Like, that it really happened. I can <laughs> off the air. I can tell you the HIPAA cleared version of the story, but not on air because I like my licensure that and my a, job. That is a beautiful story. That's amazing. So. We want to hear from you. How do you battle depression with your patients? Head over to our website, podcast.speechscience.org. You can give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. On the other side of the break, the fading art of diagramming sentences and my biggest pet peeve that I've ever found right after this. Do you have an idea for a product or book? Or are you ready to go beyond in-service presentations? Well, how do you get started? And what if you don't have any business experience at all? Well, I have some great news for you. I'm Mailing Chan, and I'm getting the nitty-gritty stories from parents, teachers, therapists, advocates, and people with disabilities who have created successful businesses, and they're sharing their intimate stories with you. Listen to us on the Exceptional Leaders Podcast and fast-track creating and building and sharing your idea with the world so that you can help more people. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode 63. Yeah, 63. I'm Matt Hot, joined uh, in his igloo, Michael McLeod. What's up, man? And taking the dog sleds to school tomorrow, Michelle Wintering. Hi. (laughs) Dog sleds, I like that. Yeah, take the dog sled to school. It'll be fine. Let's give a speech science shout out to uh, Dr. Uh, Meredith Harold, uh, the informed SLP. Uh, Meredith Poor Harold, uh, it's her birthday. Uh, happy birthday. And I was going to say a story off air, but I'll say it on air. Happy birthday. Uh, happy yeah, birthday. The informed SLP. We'll put the link in our show notes. Um, so she reached out to us when we first started doing the show. And it was terrifying because she was asking all these research questions. And when we first started doing the show, this was almost a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, I didn't know how to respond because like, you know, we look at research and we discuss it, but we don't ever claim to be like studs on research at the time, mm-hmm. you know, just discussing it from a from a basic SLP position. So I reached out and told her, like, hey, the idea is that we try to find the best research and do all that. And she loved the show and I got her on the air and we've ever been friends of the show since. So I love that. Happy connection. birthday, Dr. Harold. That's awesome. Every, I also love it's always, her website, so. Yes. Yes. Every SLP has been in that, in that situation where it's like, so what evidence-based practices are you using? <laughs> yeah. 
And you're know. like, I think this is evidence. Yeah. <laughs> well, this Uno game that I use, uh, the evidence is shown. I'm going to run away. Yeah. The oh. evidence is kids love Uno. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Also, another speech science shout out to the SLPs. Uh, no longer on the picket line out there in the L.A. Teachers Union strike. Um, I've luckily enough not had to go on strike, and I hope that I don't have to in the next 35 years of work. But shout out to those who did, because, man, that's that's a tough decision to have to go through. Yeah, I know. And and SLPs are very often part of the union and part of uh, the pay scale that teachers follow, too, in the schools. So, Which I know back when I was a part of the SLP political Facebook group before I left it or got kicked <laughs> out. I'm not really sure which one happened um, that there was talk about having an, a national SLP union. And at the time I was kind of. Sure, whatever. I don't know if that's a good idea. You know, I'm not against it anymore, I don't think, for teachers, for in the schools, like an SLP union. There's a lot of anti-unioners out there these days, so. That's true, too. So that'd yeah. be hard uh, to do. I think you know who I'm for. Speaking of evidence, there's evidence both ways on that. There you go. <laughs> you, you know what I'm for? I'm not for or against unions. I'm for whoever puts the most money in my pocket at the end of the day. Which is oh. probably... If you went and worked at like a charter <laughs> school or somewhere. <laughs> you know what? Maybe they need a therapist. Anywho, how many, how much time do you guys spend diagramming sentences with your students? Cause I don't do it at all when I'm teaching language. Uh, it's, I've definitely done it. I definitely have been there doing it. Uh, you do do a, a version of diagramming sentences sometimes with AAC. If you, if you think a little, oh, yeah. think a little leniently there, you are technically diagramming sentences uh, in, in some ways with spe specific clients. But, uh, but yeah, the, I think this article from NPR does a really great job of summarizing the art of diagramming sentences and kind of the dying art of it. Uh, but it's, um, it's, it's incredibly interesting. It's amazing how it's transformed over the years. This is the part that this is one of the reasons I think I'm good at working with my students on language is because when I was in high school in English, I barely passed because I didn't understand most of it. So I had to have it broken down very simple. And because of that, I understand it to break it down for other students. But this just diagramming sentences, I just don't do in the therapy room. I, I, I have models for for topic sentences or thesis statements, but just not this. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I haven't done, done this in a long time. I'm having flashbacks to linguistics class and undergrad and other English classes over the years. Yeah. The article does a good job of really explaining how, uh, like just straight up asking the question, does it deserve a place in schools today and in, in English class today? And a lot of the research shows that with certain kids, it just never clicks. It's one of those things that just never interests them, never motivates them. One of those things that they, they may ace a test on it, but two weeks later, it's out of their mind, out of their brain. So it's just something that just really is not applicable and not motivating to today's students. But I, I certainly see the benefit in it. Well, I then did you have to do a lot of uh, diagramming as a kid? Um, I don't think so. I just, I, I'm just, I'm just so much more of a language guy than a speech guy. 
I just think it's really interesting. I, I like remember doing it and kind of what you said, Mike, I remember not getting it the first time I went through it, like really struggling with it. But by the time you had it in a few different classes, as I got older, it got easier. But now if you handed me a, a long sentence and said to diagram it, I would have to really put some serious thought into it. Yeah, it's just super unnatural. I mean, we, we use language every day to interact and it's and it's it's just so natural and fluid and it just it just comes to us and we just use language unconsciously just just out there naturally using language which is really the overall goal of speech therapy is to get that natural free language so to have to diagram language and pick it apart and and label it in so many different ways and color code it in some some examples it's just something that's so unnatural to us unless you're a linguist you know, I really don't think you're going to be too interested in this. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to the nuns at St. Aloysius Gonzaga <laughs> in Cincinnati. I don't think they taught me taught me this. So I, you I really don't know. had nuns as teachers? No, but it sounds better for the story. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just curious. I was at Catholic school, too, but I think I had one um, in college, a Catholic university I went to. I had more priests or brothers as professors. I did in high school, but not in, mm. not in grade school. Not grade but. school or high school for me. <laughs> but how do you guys teach, like, writing? What type of writing? In just sentences. <laughs> writing sentences? <laughs> so, like, I'm thinking about this. Like, the way I teach my... So, right now, I've been teaching thesis statements and topic sentences. And the thesis statements, what I'm telling my my students is... And we have a model, and it's the main idea plus opinion plus three reasons or, or supports. So, I, I mean, I'm just thinking like, if you don't do diagramming, how do you teach your sentences? I mean, I start even more basic than that, just simple parts of speech and um, adding descriptors, adjectives and adding prepositions. Cause you're going to make sentences longer and longer that way. Makes sense. Yeah. And depending on the ability of the student you're working with, sometimes there's nothing better than to just show them examples and go through examples, showing them you know, other research papers and other articles and other books that display this language and go through it and pick it apart and show them why this was written that way and why it was able to be published. Cool. I was just wondering, do you diagram your sentences? Do you diagram your IEP goals? Let us know. Send us an example. Head over to our website, podcast.speechscience.org, and you can email us, speechscience2018 at gmail.com, or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Or if you're the social media type, hashtag speechscience, or you can add us, speechsciencepc, that's podcast, speechsciencepc, uh, on the Twitters. All right, so real story. No, no joke, no BS, real story. I'm working with a patient today and the patient hands me the newspaper and says, what do you think of this? And it's an article on a um, medication called Prixelin, P-R-I-X-E-L-I-N. And the links will be, of course, in the show notes. And I read the article and this just like the article that I sent you guys in the in the show notes, uh, it says amazing pill reverses memory loss used in Italy for 31 years goes on sale nationwide. And my patient said, 
so this is in the paper. This is real, right? And I said, no, this is this is an advertisement. And she said, well, no, it's in the paper. This is an article there. They used it in Italy. She understood the article. She was willing to go and call them. But because she trusted my opinion, she asked me if she thought if I thought it was going to help her memory. Um, this snake oil, this is what I'm talking about. This is why it's my biggest pet peeve in our field is terrifying. This article, and, and you'll see it, it reads just like a newspaper article. Um, it takes advantage of our of our patients, and it really puts what we do into jeopardy, and, and it scares me. I, I don't know about you guys, but this article, uh, it's terrifying because it just, it reads just like a very poorly written newspaper article. And this is, unfortunately, this is the sort of thing that exists so often. How many times in the mail have I gotten mailings on your car warranty is expired and you need to call mm-hmm. to extend your warranty. And it looks like a legit notice from a car dealership and you have to find the tiniest fine print and go find out more information to find out that that is a complete ad, not an actual notice of your warranty expiring. My grandpa, an elderly gentleman in his later years of life, we had subscriptions to Reader's Digest for years after he passed because they all sent automatic you must renew notices and he had already renewed it but they sent it anyway and so we renewed for another year out multiple years of reader's digest and that's a simple almost funny thing right but this is scarier because this is medicine exactly I, i remember this past december i got this thing in the mail from from i think it was asha that said i had to renew my license or something like that I was like, what was that about? My speech license. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, I don't, that, that was a joke. That was really from Asha. That was I, I, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't like, know wait, what's going on. Does that stand on. for something other than Asha? <laughs> I'm trying to think it through in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Your guys' faces was good enough. That made it worth it. But yeah, no, like this article, the reason that she gave it, the only reason I knew that it wasn't real is because at the very top it said, uh, paid advertisement but she couldn't read the part that said paid advertisement because it was so small print what is snake oil snake oil have you ever heard that term no are you kidding no okay so it's an idiom like like we use it it as yeah go ahead really no go for it because i'm going to actually look up the term snake oil it's just used to mean something fake like something to trick you with it has no real value no usually medicine right like we talk about okay okay but it can't but it was originally snake oil i think i have heard of this but it's used as an idiom pretty much like as a yeah yeah, this is snake oil i just googled it i googled it it comes up as a substance with no real medicinal value. Mm-hmm. There you go. And wow. I think now it's used more generally to say as a, a fake, as a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So like in the like 17 and 1800s, these shucksters, these hucksters would roll into like mining towns and they would say, I'm selling, uh, they would call it this. This is like they would say Eastern Chinese snake oil made to heal all wounds or make you feel better, increase your sleep, increase your uh, testosterone, your ability to procreate, whatever they wanted you to buy it for. And then they would do it. And all it was was like water with some flavoring to it. But 
Yeah, no, this Prixaline, its ingredients include fish material. Not oil, just yeah. fish material. Phosphodilestrian bacupa monore, hooperzine A, and a, quote, healthy dose of vitamin B. A healthy wow. dose. What Define healthy <laughs> dose. <laughs> and then it says, is this product banned by the NCAA? And it just says, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow but yeah no she gave that to me today and i was like oh i gotta bring this up on air because it is just it's terrifying like like she was willing to give over her credit card and order these pills um because she, you know the newspaper article in her mind uh made it look made it say that it, it would fix her the worst stuff to me is is the the snake oil type stuff for the things that they say will cure your stuttering or or cure your fluency. Yes, that's yes. That, that, that stuff. Like they are literally preying on some of the most vulnerable people that just want to be able to use their voice and communicate fl- like fluently. And the, there's these people out there that come up with these just unbelievable, just just terrible things, and they're stealing money from these people it's and that's clearly what they're trying to do here for this this young girl Mm, that breaks my heart so as i was scrolling down through the faqs off of this website it says what kind of animal protein is it from big or cows and the answer is no from plant not from cow at all (laughs) like the farther you scroll into this faq the less Grammatically correct the sentences because, (laughs) but man, what is it? Is it the ombudsman that helps keep our patients safe in nursing homes? Repeat that. I'm sorry. Is it the ombudsman that helps keep our patients safe in nursing homes? I'm not sure. Have you ever heard that term, the ombudsman? No. Michael. Nope. Uh, an ombudsman is an appointed an official appointed to investigate individuals complaints about maladministration especially of public authorities or healthcare. So huh. but yeah, no, I feel like there should be a position to help, you know, help our patients in everybody's homes, but I guess that's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah, we try. Okay, try our best. That's what we do every day. No, this was a fun That's show. Right. I'm glad I got to end it on my biggest pet peeve of the evening. That is definitely a pet peeve. When read the fine print and help your patients read the fine print. That's oh. right. That's right. Always consult so big... with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast.speechscience.org, speechscience2018 at gmail.com, or phone call 614-681-1798. You can always leave a voicemail. So what do you guys got coming up on this week? What are we looking forward to? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, uh, pretty much just a just a regular week. Uh, finally having a, a full week after some of the breaks and MLK Day, so it's good to get a full weekend of my typical clients. Uh, just lots of meetings going on with school back in full swing for the for the second half of the year. Uh, continuing the research study, keeping that moving on. So uh, yeah, pretty much pretty much keeping on, keeping on. Michelle. 
Enjoying the bitter cold temperature. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a Do you know that feeling when you have a really long to-do list and you just start knocking things off of it? That has been my week since we got back in town. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I, I forget where I got this idea, but the idea of writing on your to-do list, um, the things you've already gotten done that day as a sort of snowball effect to keep yourself going. Like, look, nice. I already did these five things. And then you can check off a few more. That's been helping me. So there you go. Awesome. Uh, for me, I am still working on my new Apple Watch because that's more important than anything else on my snow day tomorrow. And I'm actually trying to figure out a way to go see Dr. Temple Grandin uh, being in the Centerville Dayton area uh, in March. So I got to figure out a way to get out of work to go see that. Very cool. I went to um, so. her vet facility in uh in Colorado for the hippotherapy conference. There was a tour out there. So there you go. Have you guys ever seen her movie? Uh, the one with Claire Danes, the HBO film. Do you know, Which I one? haven't, that's been on my to see list and I haven't seen it. It's wonderful. I love it. Have you seen it, Michael? What is it called? Uh, is it talk? Is it thinking with pictures? I think, I don't think I have. Um, that's her uh, book, I thought, right? Oh, no, it's just called Temple Grandin. That makes sense. Temple Grandin. The book, I think, is called Thinking with Pictures. Yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's The Girl Who Thinks in Pictures, I think. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. But, but yeah, no, it's a pretty awesome movie. Uh, Claire Danes is awesome in it, and it's, yeah, it's really good. So... I can't recommend that enough. All right. I'll check it I'll out. Have to go find it. And then also I'm excited because we will be in the next couple of weeks. We will be interviewing. Um, his name is John Gomez and uh, he has a film coming out and it is. Oh, where's the film? Oh, when I stutter. Um, so we'll be talking to him as well. So I'm excited for that to come up in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Wow, nice. Nice. Yeah. We're making the world a little bit better every week. Our opening music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share alike license. Our bump music is The Spellbreaker by Tritachion. It's licensed under an attribution license. And our closing music playing underneath of us is uh, The Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. For Michael McLeod and Michelle Wintering, I'm Matt Hot. In the immortal words of Janice Wright saying... Be a willow, don't be an oak. The oak cracks under pressure, the willow will bend and return to form. Until next week, so long and peace, love, and bye. We're clear. Good work. You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.